0: Hello and welcome to Her Voice, a podcast from The Choice, the media powered by ESCP Business School and dedicated to decision makers. My name is Emily Oliarchuk, and I'm from The Choice's editorial team. Her Voice is guided by one really important mission, to give the mic to women experts whose visions have transcended the competitive world of business, shaking things up for the better. Today, you will be hearing the voice of Beatrice Borgia, the Chief Corporate Development Officer of Thérésie Group, an international engineering services company that supports businesses in the creation of projects with the most advanced technologies. With a PhD in genetic engineering under her belt and an alumna of ESCP's EMBA program, Beatrice has over 15 years of experience working in innovative companies across the tech sector. Beyond the corporate realm, Beatrice is president of the Turin-Piedmont Film Commission, a mother of three and was nominated among Forbes Top 100 Most Influential Women in Italy in 2022. Hi, Beatrice, thank you for joining us on Her Voice. Hi, hi everyone, and thank you for the invitation. And to kick the podcast off, we love getting to know the woman behind The Voice, and your current position and the roles in your community spanned numerous industries. So I was wondering, overall, what would you say is the thing that gets you up
1: in the morning? (laughs) Well, besides a good cup of coffee, (laughs) the chance to generate value um, to the community, whatever community we're talking about, Um, being the company I work for, my team, my children, in a tangible way is a big thing that gets me up in the morning. Um, So I really like to be able to work on something exciting and forward-looking, to see the results and understand the impact it has on people. On the business and myself. So when it comes to these exciting
0: choices, you know, that you made these passions that you follow, is there one in particular that has driven you or had an impact on who you are today?
1: Well, that's a very good question. I can think of many life-changing moments, life-changing decisions that I took that have shaped who I am today. Um, a one-year exchange program in Australia during high school, studying abroad at university, becoming a mother. It's its a big thing. It was a big decision, uh, which I've made over and over again. Um, going back to school after 10 years of working experience doing the MBA. But I would say probably the most impactful of all from a professional standpoint was to move from a a corporate environment to a startup right after the Mm. MBA. And they say, you know, I moved from a golden cage from, uh, you know, it was really a a leap in the dark. Uh, I was leaving the beaten track in favor of something uncertain. Uh, It was truly getting out of my comfort zone and challenging myself in a very different environment. Also, I went from med tech to ag tech at the time, Um, and this was driven by the fact that during the MBA, I heard over and over again that in order to be a better manager, a better leader, you need to have also that entrepreneurial spirit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Either you are an entrepreneur or you're not an entrepreneur, but you need to have that entrepreneurial spirit spirit and a growth mindset. And I really decided to start from, from myself to challenge myself and to put myself into more entrepreneurial environment, regardless from how hard it was <laughs> to really make this choice. It's really, it, it clicks when
0: you talk about building this entrepreneurial mindset and this spirit in yourself. When we look at the fil rouge in the different companies that you've worked in, because it's, innovation has been a core element among those choices and among your environments. I mean, you've worked in innovative teams across industries, from med tech, as you said, in health tech, we kind of using probably your genetic engineering background, to ag tech, so agriculture and technology, in businesses of all sizes. In moving from a large company to a startup and working on this different maybe view of how businesses operate,
1: has that impacted how you see and how you define innovation? Innovation can be defined as you know, something different that creates value. It isn't just the work of engineers and scientists, uh, nor it is limited to new product development. Uh, Processes can be innovated. Marketing approaches can be innovated too. Um, Something different can be a real breakthrough, but it can also be an everyday improvement that makes, you know, something complicated a bit simpler or something very expensive, more affordable. Uh, And... It all starts with the right intuition and right insights. And you took on this new role in a startup and you've certainly
0: developed new skills. What were some of those skills maybe that you had to gain in making that transition
1: that have allowed you to approach
0: this view of innovation that you have today?
1: I think you have to be open to to failures. Uh, So when you ask me, you know, can failures lead to success? Yes, absolutely. If you're not prepared to fail, you're not prepared to learn and you're not prepared to innovate. Um, So for me, really, one of the skills that you need to acquire in order to innovate is is to be able to to fail. Uh, I've always advocated this concept, (laughs) Mm -hmm. even as a mother with my children. It's about... Failing and then getting back up and trying again—it's you know I'm certainly convinced that overcoming failures it teaches resilience, it inspires positive positive changes, and provides new perspectives. These are all qualities that most uh, successful people have in common and most innovative people have in common.
0: How do you both in terms of how encouraging them to embrace failure, but just more generally motivating the members of your team to innovate? What how do you do
1: that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not that easy, and I think it's very personal. But uh, from my experience, you really need to be able to build a culture of innovation, uh, an environment that supports creative thinking, uh, and uh, that allows to extract value from knowledge, uh, and. I mean, there are some key elements, uh, some key success factors uh, to to build such environment. I'm absolutely convinced uh, that diversity and cross fertilization are are key. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm so convinced of it that I've made cross fertilization really a a mantra, on my personal uh, experience as you as you may have seen. So I've always learned um and challenged myself in different, cultures in different uh, environments uh, and uh, also sectors. So I really do think that um, diversity and cross-fertilization are key um, to create this kind of culture.
0: And we know in the industries that you've worked in, Across the tech sector, that inclusion and diversity are not yet conquered elements, and there's still it's a process of ensuring that both both of those (laughs) components are truly a part of the business and the DNA. In how can the tech industry, in your opinion, do more to ensure that it is inclusive?
1: Yeah, now we're touching another term which is uh, very dear to me as well. So it's not only diversity, but also uh, inclusions of. let's first start with this term um of course you know without once you've reached diversity then you have to work on inclusion and that's um otherwise diversity is just a number game instead of being really a powerful force for a company to win in the marketplace and uh diversity and inclusion is not only <laughs> I mean it's not only the right thing to do but it's also the smart thing to do. Um and uh you're I mean you're touching a good point when we come to tech industry um particularly the gender diversity um still has some gaps. Uh women in tech are still a minority um and I've <laughs> debated with many other leaders, female or male leaders on this topic, because they come from the tech industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it seems that there, it all starts, I mean, there is a bias that starts already in high school, uh, already, you know, during, during schooling days, but also when playing games, um, there are no female or male jobs. Uh, there's no job that a female can't do. Uh, and and it's time that we, we tell them that, you know, any female can do whatever she aspires to do. This all starts also within the family. So there's really, I think it's a cultural change that has to happen. Certainly showing boys and girls all the possibilities and making sure that everyone knows, you know, they can do whatever they feel good at doing. This is actually not the
0: first time that I've heard that comment on her voice. Last year, during the season one of the podcast, we actually spoke with two women who are experts in the respective fields of artificial intelligence and computer science education for kids. So there was Jean, who is a renowned scientist and author of the book Al- on algorithmic bias, and Amelia Marta, who was who is the co-founder of Colory, which is an educational program that enables young children to learn how to code. And we talked about how to avoid algorithmic bias, and they mentioned very similar arguments. But the second, the the last one you've mentioned here is is that it starts on an individual level in our interactions with young people, in how we talk to them, and how we raise children, and in giving those opportunities in school. I've also in the past spoken with alumni of the school who have PhDs in chemistry, for example, and learned about their experience. And the scientific realm is one that also still deals with its own array of biases. What's your experience been like throughout your career in regards to that?
1: Yeah, well, I've never felt um, discriminated ever in my life, Uh, neither when studying nor, you know, during companies when I had pregnancies. So I think Um, This just highlights the importance of continuing to to learn, to educate yourself. And um, I truly believe that right now the society is ready. Um, So the awareness is more about making sure that we can empower women or whoever feels like in in a minority, whatever field it is, um, that you you have the possibility to do it.
0: So we have been talking about innovation within businesses of all shapes and sizes and sectors and what are some of the common requirements that permit innovation to happen. And you talked about at the start welcoming this environment of taking risks, of creating trust so that failure is truly possible. You mentioned the importance of diversity and even more important inclusion in ensuring that there are multiple viewpoints contributing to new ideas. And I wanted to know, to what degree creativity plays a role in how you innovate and how you lead your team?
1: It's interesting. Certainly, uh, I, I consider myself a a creative leader. I, I'm very curious, as you can see from my path. Um, and uh, I'm sure that creativity, it's, it's an important element to drive meaningful innovation sometimes also disruptive innovation um and uh, my role in the film commission certainly is giving me an other viewpoint which i didn't have um certainly was very tech driven uh up uh, up until a certain point but opening up to a completely new world, um filming industry it's a whole you know vibrant different but also very interesting industry um it is absolutely also contributing to um, the way of view innovation and letting also more um, soft skills into it, um, which are coming from these uh, amazing world of uh, of filming as well.
0: Is there an innovation? From, for example, the health or agricultural sectors, but you can choose another one that has inspired you in recent years.
1: Almost every industry is is getting disruptive. Now, if I look at my own uh, experience, uh, there is two. Uh, innovations that have inspired me. One from the medtech industry. This was more process innovation. Uh, we uh, we were designing new medical devices to bring them to the market, uh, but then we realized that most of the products were failing really late in the process. So the typical waterfall approach had many flows uh, because the moment we were giving the the product, the new product, in the hands of the surgeons or the patients. Mm there was just something that was not right or would fail. Uh, so the failure rate was actually very high. And um, then we we introduced a whole new process to drive product innovation. Now we're speaking about product innovation here. Mm-hmm. Um, the so-called user-centric design methodology, um, which... Uh, is a methodology that encourages, and this goes back to, you know, failing fast early prototyping where prototyping started from day one. So you wouldn't give the new product, uh, in the hands of the surgeon at the very end of the process, but from day one, even just a rough prototype and see how they use it. I track them and see u- real use cases and using design sprints, um, each with a prototyping part. And this really tremendously increased the success rate uh, mm-hmm. of uh, product innovation and reduced of almost, a, if I recall well, 50% of the time and cost to take new products to the market. So this was a very interesting example of how we changed the way, I mean, the process to product innovation. Um and then another innovation, which, you know, was also the driver for me to go to the startup in the ag sector, as I said, it was all the, you know, uh, it, it was at the time on, on the vertical farming sector. Um, and that, again, <laughs> it, it was amazing to see. It was pretty new at the time. Now there is more and more farms that are um they're building around hydroponic um, technology, uh, but the the idea to uh, grow greens in multiple layers uh, uh, and become almost a hundred percent sustainable from an environment standpoint uh in order to be able to give you know also within you know city centers uh fresh food uh, to everyone being more democratic not using too much land not uh polluting also the land it was pretty amazing to see and it's uh, i'm sure it's a technology that it's i mean it's it's still going to evolve, but it's mm-hmm. it's here to stay and we certainly need it. I think that that is a beautiful example, not only of innovation, but sustainable innovation, which is becoming more and more important.
0: Yeah, and your two examples cross the spectrum a little bit in terms of the level of impact innovation can have, but that both bring value to businesses and to people, and that's the end goal. What areas of... Society and business. Do you think we need innovation the most?
1: I think innovation is uh, is needed across the border. Uh, really, I I wouldn't be able to um, to pin one. Certainly, um, we would need to innovate every business uh, in order to become more uh, circular. Uh, sustainability is really one big issue. So every uh, every product innovation or process innovation should look at sustainability uh, and the impact on on society and the impact on on the environment. Um, so that is um, where I think it's not really one area, but one approach that every uh, area need, needs to look at. I realized there is a choice
0: that. Of that yours that I see in your career path that I'm curious about. And that's the one between what you spent what I'm sure was a lot of academic effort in achieving your PhD in genetic engineering Mm -hmm. and the positions that you've held in the last few years, things that are more in the, like your title today, chief corporate development officer or in strategic marketing and now Mm -hmm. in in leading innovative teams. How did that transition happen? And (laughs) what does that... PhD in genetic engineering bring to you today and in, in what you do the choices
1: that i've made were always driven by passion i i was so passionate about genetic engineering i started this phd it was in pharmaceutical sciences it was more genetic engineering applied to oncology sector so new drugs for uh, drug no, new new drugs for uh, tumor and cancer uh, research um and It was at the time uh, the human genome was just mapped. So it was really at the beginning of biotech and and genetic. And it was was an amazing field. It was super stimulating to study, Uh, but I didn't want to stay. And it wasn't clear to me, certainly would have never thought to do the path that I've done in my life, in my professional career, because at the time I just loved so much studying what I studied, but I absolutely disliked the idea of working in a lab. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, and doing research my whole life that was not my I always was interested in the business side of science and I I thought okay um I think if you understand science you can probably even have a greater impact on business but it took me a while to do that uh that shift um so then when I joined a company um I immediately asked if I could join the, the marketing team I said well well, you'd be more of a fit for you know a clinical team or the R and D team with your background. I said, well, why marketing? I said, well, I think you know that's um that's what I feel. You know, I'm I th- I think I can f- I can have a bigger impact as a marketeer in this field, knowing really the science behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you know, data proved me right. I think you can be you know if you have the right skills and certainly. If you have a company that helps you develop in a certain direction, um, you can do it. That yeah. resonates in
0: in a lot of what, of what you just shared with me. And I think your point, especially on cross-fertilization and this diversity of experiences, at least in our conversations that we have lately um, on the choice around what it means to be a talent and kind of this search for talent today, there's a lot more room, I think, for not atypical. I'm not sure if that's the word, but for for profiles that push the boundaries and expand the boundaries of what certain roles require, and that that can only help bring and hopefully, dep- based on everything you've said, um, new opportunities for innovation.
1: You know, I think there's also something else here to add. Um, I don't know if it's uh, about talent or not, but certainly pushing the boundaries, uh, putting yourself out of your comfort zone. And I tell my, my teens, my children, you know, everyone just, you know, try to get out of your comfort zone. If you're not pushed from others, try to do it yourself because this will make you more, no, it's a fancy word, but you know, more and more we hear it anti-fragile because mm-hmm. eventually and this comes from my <laughs> engineering background, genetic engineering background, eventually it's not the strongest pieces that will, you know, <laughs> Uh, be more resilient is not is neither the more intelligent but it's probably the one that can um, uh, adapt to change faster and that comes from darwin <laughs> uh, and i and i'm sure that uh you know something that you can do to yourself as a manager as a person the more you you push boundaries the more you're able to adapt to changes and we know how many changes we're, I mean, we've seen in the past even just, you know, two three years. Um, but that's going to be the new normal. Uh, so the more you, you push changes in your, in your professional lives, uh, the more you're able to perform also under, you know, uncertain conditions. What a great message that we probably all
0: need to hear right now as exiting two years of, let's say, some stress and some uncertainty and looking ahead into a vast realm of continued uncertainty, it's really helpful to hear some advice on how, even on an individual level, we can prepare ourselves for for this future. So thank you so much for that piece of advice. And that's a good transition to my last question, which is going to ask you for more advice because we would like to learn <laughs> as much as possible from you. And it's a question we ask at the end of every interview. What advice would you give to others who are looking to find their voice?
1: So I would say find what drives you, be authentic, uh, but most importantly, align your passion with your purpose. That's really how you will find the fulfillment in whatever you choose to do in life.
0: I'm going to try my best to apply that advice to my life. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for for sharing your experience with us and your take on what it means to, to innovate today and how industries of all kinds can better embrace innovation for true impact and value. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. And thank you for having me.
0: Thank you all for joining us on this episode of Her Voice powered by ESCP Business School's media, The Choice. We appreciate your time and hope you feel as inspired as we do after listening to Beatrice Borgia speak about the many ways we can encourage a culture of innovation in the workplace by promoting inclusion. In our next episode, Joe Bautista will be joining us to dive deeper into social entrepreneurship and how she applies both art and business for positive impact. Stay tuned. And if you're a keen listener and you've already given us five stars or subscribe to the show, don't hesitate to tell other people who might enjoy it as well. Thank you to the team behind Her Voice, my co-producer Jean Weckler, our agency You Love Words, and the recording studio L'Eria Boutique.